Hello and welcome to episode 63 of Inside the WDF with me, Andrew Sinclair. I'm delighted to say that on this week's episode, which is dropping just before I head down to Selsey for the England Open weekend, that I'm joined by two great guests, Bruce Robbins and John Scott. Both men were involved in last week's bronze-graded events in Washington and Catalonia. But before we get into those two interviews, I wanted to touch on the announcement that was made last Friday by the World Darts Federation that the 2021 World Masters, which would have been the first World Masters, first major, under the WDF's sole responsibility, has unfortunately been cancelled. It was hugely disappointing news and a real blow for, for the organisation, really, because it was set to be, as I've said, the first major under their umbrella. And it was a big moment for them to, to kind of really get their foothold in place in, in what's a very crowded market now below that PDC tour. However, the decision they've come to is sadly quite understandable. They are the World Darts Federation, it's in the name, and if a number of their 72 member nations have heavy travel restrictions in place in December, and that means that their players are going to be restricted from going to the tournament, it undermines the premise of the competition, and they have a problem. So, if you cannot be a world event, I can understand why they'd want to take the opportunity to to not undermine the first one and instead go in 2022 and try and do it properly then when hopefully the world will be properly back to normal. Likewise, you know, the decisions had to be taken because there are still restrictions in place in the Netherlands and if they're in place now, there's no indication when they're going to be lifted and it could well be that, you know, they're lifted far too late for countries to commit to sending people over and if the government are cautious the situation could still be the same in six weeks' time and then suddenly you're in the middle of October and you still haven't made a decision. And ultimately, you, the organisation, I know they don't want to and they can't. They can't keep players on tenterhooks for you know an indeterminate period of time. So they had to make a decision. And sadly, the decision they've made is one that was, was on the cards. And you've just got to hope now that the, the 2022 one can run smoothly and that their World Championship at the beginning of 2022 at Lakeside can run as planned. The entries for the 2021 World Masters will roll over to 2022, so that's good for the players that have qualified already. Uh, and it is interesting to note as well that in their press release that the WDF have said they are still planning to run the silver-graded World Open and the Lakeside World Championship playoffs on that weekend that the, the World Masters would have been the 4th, 5th of December in Netherlands. On a personal note, it's quite disappointing because I was eyeing up going over to Assen for the whole event to, to do some media and podcast on the road stuff and now obviously won't get to do that, but in theory would free me up to go to Lakeside a fair bit more. And again, we go again in 2022 and hopefully we go again stronger. Moving back to the tour, the third American event of 2021, the Washington Area Open, took place last weekend in Sterling, Virginia. Recent guest on the show, Danny Warmack, she won her second title of 2021 in the women's singles, defeating Marlies Keel 5-1 in the final. 
Now, four-man Jules Van Dong was the, the name many expected to win the men's singles, but he went out in the last 32, and instead the crown went to Buffalo Bruce Robbins. Uh, the Massachusetts native dropped just six legs en route to winning his second career WDF title. I managed to catch up with Bruce earlier this week to discuss that win in Washington, his career in the sport of darts, and his memories of playing in the 1996 PDC World Match Play. I am now delighted to be joined by the Washington area champion, Bruce Robbins. How are you, Bruce? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. Good to have you you on the show. So congratulations on your win in in Virginia this past weekend. How, looking back, do you reflect on on the title win now? Um, I feel very pleased. Um, I felt good going in. felt like I I could pull it off and uh, I was able to do it. Some tough competition there. I mean, sort of looking at your results, you played well all all day, really. But I think the the standout performance for me was your your game with Kevin Yasinchak, where you took out that big one two one on the way to quite a comfortable win. Yes, yeah, I remember that shot quite well, and I needed it. Um, but Kevin's a great player too. There's just so many of them. Earlier this year, you reached the final of the the Music City Open. Um, so how do you feel that you're, you're playing at the moment? Where do you think your game is right now? I feel like I'm playing probably the best I've played in quite some time. I'm, I'm playing confident. Um, nothing's bothering me. Um, I just feel good no matter who I'm playing against. I've, I've been playing a lot of online against real good competition, and I think it's, it's helped my game a lot. Well, I was going to ask you about those online games because I've seen, I know you played Jim Long in a best of 31, I think it was, and quite a few other long games. So do you think that kind of getting that longer match practice has helped you since in-person events have been back running in the States? Absolutely. Um, I was actually playing uh, 5, 5 a.m. our time every Saturday for a while. I was playing in the Australian Dot Stream Live. Mm-hmm. And I was doing quite well there, and that really pushed me. That There, there was a lot of great plays in that, and uh, I think it really pushed me. So when I, with the quarantine, I was stuck at home anyway, so I was playing a lot of online. Jake Taylor is another one. I played him quite often from Canada, another great player, and he pushes you every time you play him. So how was that then, getting up and playing competitive stream games at 5 o'clock in the morning? I actually enjoy it. Um, it's, it's time. My wife's still sleeping, obviously, and the kids. I'm not a drinker. I don't drink, so it doesn't faze me. I just go make my coffee and go play darts an hour later. Over here in the UK, obviously, darts is sort of a, a, was a pub sport, and obviously drinking's a big part of that. Is that the case with the, the American scene as well? Is, is beer and alcohol a big part of that too? Yes. Um, yes and no. Some people... Some people need to drink. I mean, if they want to drink, that that's fine. Um, I just decided when I started playing, I wasn't going to drink, and I just stuck with it. And uh, But, like, I have league tonight, and everyone will be drinking, just not heavy. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll have a few beers, and there's nothing wrong with that. I just decide not to while I play. I noticed on a, a CDC stream a little while ago, you're part of a Dirty Jersey Darts. What does that, what does that mean? What is Dirty Jersey Darts all about? Dirty Jersey is one of my sponsors. Um, they're from New Jersey. They were that that. Um, they make jerseys. They also have a store. It's, it's a store. 
<laughs> they sell equipment. They have all types of, you can have your uh, custom jerseys made. And uh, David's a really nice guy. He's a super nice guy. <laughs> Treats me well. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to hear. Last weekend, the win in Washington, that was your second career WDF title after you won the, the Colorado Open a couple of years ago. And I know to win that one, you had to, to win 6-5 over the legend Larry Butler. So when you think back to that tournament, what, what springs to mind? I went into that event, I wanted to qualify for the Masters. <laughs> and I knew if I won that event, I, uh, I want, I'd go to the Masters if they had it. And I talked to a couple people about it as I was actually playing. Um, one of them that stands out is uh, Joe Cheney from the U.S. And um, I told him, I don't, I don't even care about the money. I just want to qualify for Masters. And so that really stood out. That was halfway through the competition. And then, you know, I finally pulled it out. But it was tough. Larry's a legend. <laughs> Absolutely. So did you actually get to come over for, for the World Masters then in 2019? I did not. Um, the first one I qualified for, I couldn't get the time off from work. Hmm. And uh, 2019 never happened because of COVID. And uh, my son actually qualified for the Masters in like 2017, I want to say, and I went over there, but I wasn't able to play. And what is the, what is the day job for you then? Um, I used to work at Coca-Cola. And um, I couldn't get the time off from work. I have a new job now that lets me a little more flexible. Hmm. Um, I work at a um, machine shop. Um, we do metal fabrication. Hmm. And, and they're really flexible with me. Okay, that's good to hear. It's frustrating now, I'm sure, because winning this event would have qualified you for, for the World Masters this year. But obviously because of the, the COVID situation... The World Masters this year has had to be cancelled, so your entry is 2022. So maybe next year you'll finally get the chance to play in the World Masters. Absolutely. As long as they have it, I'll be there. I mean, I've cast your mind back to 2019. I want to go quite a bit earlier than that, to 1996 when you played in the PDC World Match Play. I mean, first of all, when you came over for the match play in 96, how old were you at the time? 27. And how did you how did you actually qualify to play at the match play then? Um, I went to a bunch of tournaments in the U.S. that were that were ranked. At the time, I didn't know nothing about it. I just wanted to play darts, and um, I went to Atlantic City, and it was the last one of the year for the to qualify. But I didn't even know anything about it. I was I was just going along in the singles, and uh, I got to the top eight. In the singles, and I played uh, John Lowe from England, and uh, I beat him in the top eight. And he turns around to me afterwards, and he says, is your name Bruce Robbins? I said, yes. He goes, that just gave you enough points to qualify you for the world match play in Blackpool. And I says to him, what's that? <laughs> so he actually sat down and explained the whole situation to me for that tournament. Wow. And I ended up losing in the top four, but it got me enough points. I think I finished 29th in the world. So it gave me enough points to qualify. Mm -hmm. So obviously you were very new to kind of all that kind of tournaments and, and the qualification criteria. So when you actually came over for Blackpool, how was that whole experience for you? It was, it was awesome. 
it was awesome. Very um, different. I, I just I didn't expect. You know, between signing autographs, we don't do that stuff over here. Um, just the whole stage with the lights and the the dry ice with the smoke. With uh, I had a girl walk out, bring me out to the stage, holding an American flag. It was, it was really different, but it was it was special. And were there were there nerves for you because it was obviously something completely different to anything you'd ever played in or been used to before? Um, I, I played a, a first round match and I was a little bit nervous, obviously, and uh, I pulled it out. I can't remember who the, the gentleman was I played. It was a qualifier that had to qualify over there. And um, after that match, I played uh, Rod Harrington, and I was I was I wasn't nervous at all. Believe it or not, it, it, um, I just want to have fun. Yeah, absolutely. Enjoy it. Enjoy. Yeah. And I mean, looking back at the draw for that year's event, there were so many Americans in the field. Was that a help for you when you actually came over to the UK that, you know, there was Larry Butler, Jerry Umberger and a number of others? Yeah, I believe there was like six of us in Dave Kelly, rest his soul, uh, sort of took me under his under his wing, and uh, asked if I wanted to stay with him. And uh, he, he he brought me along the way. He taught me everything between going out to dinner and making um, pitches and doing everything. So yeah, between Dave, I think Larry, Jerry Umberger, Sean Downs, um, Gerald Verrier, Paul Lim, I'm I'm pretty close to also. It was quite a few of them. Yeah, it must have been a must have been a fantastic experience for you. Absolutely. In terms of the the beginning for you, then, how did you first get introduced to to darts? I was with my mum, my mother at the time. She was going to a club, so I went with her, just a little local bar. And I was underage, but they let me in. And there was a guy there named Ed Ed Cannon. He's from Ireland. He he, he played, but he wasn't very good. But he wanted to like teach me how to play, so he taught me for a while. I, I kept meeting up with him uh, certain nights of the week, and all of a then when I I was under twenty one at the time, and to be in a bar over here you're supposed to be twenty one. So once I hit twenty one, I was asked to play on a team, and uh, so I, I played on the team. And the first thing he said to me was. The only thing you ever want to do is play on stage overseas. And then when I qualified for the match play, that was the icing on the cake. Of course. I know you're from just outside of Boston. Is that the area you've lived in all of your life? Yes, I grew up uh, south of Boston, about an hour away from where I am now. Um, I grew up in Whitman, Whitman, Mass. Then I met my wife 22 years ago and I moved north of Boston with her and I've been here since. I'm like 15 minutes north of downtown Boston. So what's the, the quality of the, the dart scene like in sort of the, the Boston, New England area? Very good. The competition's really good around this area and that's what's helped also. You know, there, there's, there's probably five or six guys just from this area that has, has made the national team. So there's some good players around here. There, have there ever been periods in your sort of darting career where you've taken a break from the sport? Yes, when, when my son was born, I stopped playing for probably four years, five years maybe. And uh, I wasn't going to come back and play and my wife talked me into it. 
<laughs> so yeah, I took about four or five years off to take care of family stuff with the kids, and that's about it. Yeah, well, obviously, her talking you back into it has worked out because I know you've won a lot of events on the American scene over the last sort of ten to fifteen years. Yes. Yeah, I've been playing about about thirty years now. Now I have to ask a question. Do you have a, a nickname? Yes, um, Buffalo. I was driving. I'll tell you the story about it. I was driving to a tournament in uh, North Carolina, which is about twelve hours away, and I was driving with a, a boy. I think at the time he was maybe six, and uh, there was like five of us in the car, and he started calling me Buffalo. And ever since, every time I see him, he called me Buffalo, and it just sort of stuck. Well, see, I wondered if uh, you'd have tried to use something to do with Baskin Robbins, the the ice cream guys. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's worth a shout. Now, something else yeah. I want, something else I wanted to ask you. Uh, you know, being a guy from just outside Boston, are you into the the NFL at all? I watch the NFL. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, are you a Patriots guy then? Uh, yeah, I I like football. Yeah, I like the Patriots, but I also. Like, back in the day, I liked the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, so I'm not a Steelers fan now, but I, I do watch I watch just about any game. So how do you think the Patriots are going to go this season then? Um, I think they'll be okay, but I don't think they're going to be great, you know, with a with rookie quarterback. Um, I think they'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> because I've got a, a love of country music and Elvis Presley, I'm sort of an honorary Tennessee Titans fan, so... I've got a keen eye on them. You're currently, after your win this past weekend, you're now third in the US regional rankings with the WDF. And in theory, the top two would qualify for the World Championships at Lakeside next year. Obviously, you know, there's quite a lot of events to happen, but if you were to qualify for Lakeside, what would that mean for you? That'd be super special. I've always wanted to play at Lakeside. It would would, would be an honour to go there. You know, I'd just about do anything to go. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I don't know what else to say, you know, about that. It's uh, just being an honour. In terms of your schedule, what does that look like for the rest of this year? Um, well, last weekend was number five, number five weekend in a row. I got two more coming up. I have um, one up in um, New Hampshire this weekend. And then um, the following weekend, I'll be in uh, Philadelphia for the CDC. And then um, after that, we'll um, head to Virginia Beach for um, another WDF event and hopefully do well there. And then uh, the Seacoast, which is a gold event. Mm. So, yeah, it's been pretty busy. Absolutely. And if you win the Seacoast, that's a direct entry to Lakeside. So, yes, certainly an appeal. (laughs) Is that one local to you, the Seacoast? Yeah, the, the Seacoast is only about 20 minutes from my house. So you'll be the home favourite for that one then? I hope so. Well, congratulations again on your win this past weekend, Bruce, and thank you so much for your time tonight. I really do appreciate it, and good luck at your league game tonight. Thank you. I really enjoyed talking to, to Bruce, and I hope he finally does get that chance to play in the World Masters next year. The first European doubleheader of 2021 also took place last weekend with the bronze-graded Catalonia Open and FCD Anniversary Open both taking place just outside of Barcelona. 
Andy Bartons hadn't won a ranking event in almost four years to the day, but just like the old adage about London buses, he managed to pick up two in the space of 24 hours in Catalonia. He averaged over 105 in his Catalonia Open final victory over Martin Marti Santa Maria, uh, and it was slightly, slightly less, but still impressive in a 5-1 win the following day in the FCD competition against fellow Catalan Daniel Zapata. Eileen de Graaf won the 60th and 61st ranking titles of her lengthy and impressive career in the ladies' events, and she'll be appearing on a future show to, to, to kind of talk about those wins and her career in much more depth. She picked up the opening title on the Saturday with a 4-1 win over the Swedish international Anna Forsmark, and then it was a win by the same scoreline the following day against Paula Jacqueline. Friend of the show, John Scott, didn't get any points over in Catalonia, but, you know, John's one of the most frequent travellers on the tour, and he was actually back travelling once again at his first WDF event since Slovakia in February 2020. And having seen my, uh, my fellow Dark Horse in action over in Spain, it made complete sense to get him back on the show from the chat, and here's what he had to say. I am now delighted to be joined by friend of the show and fellow dark horse, John Scott. How are you, John? I'm good, Andrew. Yeah, thanks. Uh, pleasure as always to be uh, to be invited on. So thank you. Oh, happy to have you. So it's seven months since we last spoke on the show. Uh, so since then, what's been keeping you busy? Well, obviously, we, we kind of opened up again. So, you know, life's been getting back to normal a bit more. Um, I've been playing darts at our... Uh, Super League venue since May we've been meeting up every week so you know we've kind of been trying to get back in the swing of everything um, still working from home until um, until next week even though the rest of my office went back today I'm off this week so uh, that's that's going to be a shock to the system I'm sure but uh, yeah so uh, you know obviously uh, it's been a tough 18 months for everybody it's just nice to see a little bit of the light at the end of the tunnel with with just things in general you know football crowds and just uh just feeling a bit better weather's been nice as well this week famous last words but it does seem like we are getting back to some sense of normality and you know this weekend just gone you were on your travels again one of the you know you were one of the most prolific travelers on the tour before covid this was your first event since you know early 2020 but kind of what what motivated you not to go to Gibraltar, Slovenia and Serbia slightly earlier in the year? Um, I think the restrictions didn't help. I mean, I know there are still restrictions in place um, and testing and whatnot. Um, I mean, mainly for me, the reason I didn't do any of those tournaments is because there was only one event. And especially with, I think it was Slovenia, the travelling just from the nearest airport was ridiculous. And... It, it could, I couldn't justify it to go to those sort of tournaments. I just sort of thought, oh, well, I'll wait to beginning of September. What might have been the Dutch Open obviously got cancelled, but you know, looking at that as a starting point, um, it wasn't that I wasn't uh, wanting to play. I was just kind of sort of waiting to make sure that everything was going to stay as it was and things weren't going to suddenly change back because we had that situation at the end of last year where. You know, you had the potential of, I think, one of the times we spoke at the end of last year, Iceland was potentially going to happen sort of September, October time. There was a couple of other events. Hungary went ahead, but only with a, a local 
crowd. You know, there wasn't any overseas players in it. But, you know, then we went back to square one in December again. So a little bit of apprehension. I suppose that's natural for everybody. But yeah, first one since February 2020. And um, great to be back on the tour. Absolutely. So was it your first time over in Catalonia the week just gone? Yes, yeah, I hadn't been before. It, it's one of those events that always seemed to clash with something. I remember um, a guy I used to share a room with, Francis Carragher. He went there one year when he was chasing the uh, Western Europe points. Um, and I was at Chelsea at the time. So obviously this year it could have clashed with the Dutch Open. Um, it seems to be one that does sort of clash with other events. Um but, I mean, the draw for me was I got, um, there was a whole week of darts, so it was a big festival, playing singles, pairs, triples, and, you know, having a week of darts. Bit of a holiday that also we haven't had for for a long time. So it was kind of a, a no-brainer to get started, a nice relaxing start, if you like. Absolutely. So talk me through the, the week. What did it look like in terms of the, the sort of schedule of events? Well, the, the arrival was... Uh, it wasn't fixed, so you could either arrive on the Friday or Saturday. Um, I arrived on the Friday, and so therefore there was a, a warm-up singles on the Saturday for anyone who had already arrived. Um, and then the main everything, I'm going to get confused by what day was what now, so forgive me. Um, day two, I'll call it. <laughs> I believe I'm thinking, yeah, Sunday, I think. That was a, a singles, so ladies and men's singles. Then you had mixed triples the day after. Then you had a day off, then another singles, then a pairs, then the day off on the Friday, and then obviously the two ranking events on Saturday and Sunday. So those ranking events didn't really go to plan for you, you didn't pick up any points, but how would you sort of assess your performances in those two? Yeah, to be honest, um, I played well. Um, I came up against um, two very good players who beat me. Um, I was unseeded, which... It has been unusual for me, really, in the last couple of years. Um, I mean, I've seen already, I'm seeded at Celsius out of 400 entries, um, but I couldn't be seeded amongst 120 in um, Catalonia, which was, it seems a bit strange, but yeah, that's the way it is. Um, you know, all the, a lot of points have come off my rankings in the last year or so from not travelling. Um, so I dropped down and wasn't seeded. So I played um, Brian looking in uh, the first of the ranking events um, who had actually beat me in the semi-final of one of the earlier singles as well um, he was playing really well a couple of doubles could have gone my way but you know I didn't didn't do a lot wrong can't really complain on the second day um, again beat a decent guy from Belgium um, Andy Prost in the first round and then um the Dutch guy, Eric Van Ryswick, who I hadn't met before. Um, another guy who actually beat me in one of the earliest, in the other of the earlier singles. Um, so there was a bit of a theme going on there. First three legs, he checked out 136 when I was on a double, 141 when I'd missed a dart of the bull, and 108 when I was on a double for three 15 darters. And, you, you know, at any level, you can't do anything about that. Um, you just got to keep going, play your game and, you know, if they go, they go. I'll play a lot worse and win. So <laughs> it's just uh, swings and roundabouts on the tour. You know, you, you can't be um, 
too disheartened by results. It's all about just trying to keep consistent and knowing that eventually the runs will come. The man who was the most impressive over the weekend was Belgium's Andy Bartons. What did you make of how well he played? Um, I didn't see a lot of him, to be honest. I mean, obviously, I saw the, the two finals where he was very convincing over uh, Marty Santamaria and um, also Danny Zapata, both sort of local players. But, I mean, I haven't seen him for a few years. Well, I haven't seen anyone for a couple of years, obviously, but um, he sort of burst on the scene a few years back. He won the Czech Open, I think, mm. the first year I was in Prague. And... Um, Made Lakeside, did really well, and then sort of disappeared a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, quality player. Um, I believe um, someone may have called that result before um, before the weekend even started, didn't they? I might have tipped him to do quite well, <laughs> but uh, I, like to, I like to try and be modest. <laughs> I'll mention it then, I'll mention it. Yeah, you, you, you were spot on, you know, saying he's got to be one of the ones to beat, and obviously... No one did, because he came away with both titles. So playing over in Spain meant that you missed the, the second block of UK Challenge Tour events, and I know you didn't play any, the, the first block either, so why did you take the decision to, to not do those after you played in Q School earlier in the year? Um, honestly, the first weekend, I just didn't fancy it, if that makes sense. It was a couple of weeks where I hadn't been playing great, when we've been out playing amongst ourselves and practicing just to, you know, there's no reason to think you can't go there and play well, but it was just the timing of it. I don't know, to be honest. Um, I knew I wasn't ever going to play the second one. So it takes the motivation away from going there to try and achieve something because obviously the, you're going there with, you know, the, the hope to try and win a tour card by finishing top or getting in the UK open on the order of merit there. Um, oh, plus also I couldn't get the Friday off work for the first weekend. So I was kind of limited to four out of 12 tournaments. And so it just sort of, the closer it got, I was just thinking, oh, I just couldn't, not couldn't be bothered, but I just didn't didn't have that sort of drive to want to go there. And I think that's, if you're not 100% right at those sort of events, then, you know, you've got even less chance of doing well. So, for me, it was just uh, weighing up again, sort of the the cost and the worth. Is it worth it to go for four events out of twelve when it's not my main focus? Hmm. So I mean, you know, I went to Q School as you say, with a view to to doing the challenge tours. But um, look, if I if I do well in the WDF and hopefully try and make the World Championship in January. You know, my, my focus will be solely on that side anyway. So whether Q School, I would even do Q School next year is a different thing. So the end of your, your weekend in Spain, some positive news I saw on, on social media that you'd signed with Volcano Sports. What can you tell me about sort of them and how that how that deal came about? Well, I mean, a, a very good friend of mine, Andy Fletcher, who um, was doing a lot of work with the, a lot of the online darts that were being played over mainly in Australia and South Africa, I think they were organising it from. He, he got in touch and he was uh, talking about this uh, company in South Africa who they make shirts for all sorts of sports, rugby, hockey, football, all over in South Africa. And they're looking to branch out into the wider market. 
um, and they they signed Devin Peterson as sort of an ambassador. And uh, yeah, he he just he phoned me. Said, "What do I think? Who did my shirts? Would I be interested?" Um, and of course, you know, it's it's very flattering to be thought of as someone who can help not just you know be wearing the brand, but also to try and promote them, help them reach their audience. Um, you know, hopefully, I can speak to like the county and Super League teams, and if they want team shirts to help out that way, go through a volcano. Um, I'm waiting for the shirts. Hopefully, I've got my fingers crossed very tightly that they might be here uh, before I leave for Celsea. Um, they have been dispatched, but they're not here yet. So I don't know whether I can guarantee I'll be in possession of them in time for that. Um, but yeah, look, really excited to be part of it. Um, they've signed some really good players on, Andy Bolton, uh, Mark Graham, who was doing a lot of WDF tour work um, before COVID hit. I think he got to the semi-finals in Isle of Man. You know, it's, uh, it's exciting times. Um, it's lovely to be part of something new as well um, from the start. And uh, yeah, hopefully it'll be the, the start of a, a nice little partnership um, for both of us. Well, talking of something new, the new county season is only... Well, a couple of weeks away now. So, are you going to be playing county this season? And sort of, how do you how do you expect things to go? Obviously, now under the umbrella of the the UKDA. Um, I mean, to be honest, I don't really expect a lot different. To be honest, um, county is is county. I know, obviously, the umbrella of the UKDA. Um, that's all changed, but in county for years is mainly. You know, it's run by the teams themselves. They all have their own in-house structures that organise themselves. It's kind of just um, not wishing to um, sort of downplay the work the UKDA do, but it's kind of a fixture list and the rest we do ourselves <laughs> in a way. Um, sorry, John and uh, the team at the UKDA. Don't mean to, to sound negative, but um, yeah, I mean, our county season at Middlesex doesn't actually start um, next weekend um, because our first game has been postponed um, so our first game is actually the first weekend in October um, when I'm in Denmark so I won't be there for that either the intention is to play still one of my ambitions I've got left I'd love to play for England one day so you know to do that you need to play and support the county system and um, unless you're lucky enough to win the, the qualifier in Bridlington, which I'll be playing in as well. Um, but yeah, look, I've, I've played for many years county darts and it's great. You know, um, we've got a great county at Middlesex, not doing as well as we have done over the years. Um, been in the Premier Division twice in my playing time, but only just about got out of the bottom division a couple of years ago. So, but hopefully things are on the up for us. But yeah, looking forward to it um, when it all kicks off. Um, see how yeah, see how everything runs, how the new setup is. Obviously, I've got the magic weekend at the end of the season with the Gold Cup and everything. That'll be great to see how that goes. Um, I know they've been putting a lot of work in in for that. So yeah, it's uh, from my point of view probably not a lot will change um, playing wise because you'll still turn up and it'll be the same format and the same players and what have you but 
um, yeah, looking forward to seeing seeing what what they have in store. We're speaking today on on Tuesday. You're playing in the pentathlon later this week, and you'll have played in that by the time this is out. I know the pentathlon is something you've wanted to to take part in for for quite a while. Uh, so, what which of the games are you looking forward to the most? That's a good question. I mean, I, I could really shoot myself in the foot with this, couldn't I? Because <laughs> by the time I, this goes out, I could say, yeah, I love the round the board on doubles and end, end up finishing bottom on that one. Um, it would, uh, it wouldn't surprise me, to be honest. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm actually just off uh, for a practice after this um, to have a little go at some of the games. I mean, I've been doing... I, all I do at home is practice round on doubles anyway, so that one doesn't bother me. It's, the, it's knowing the format of the other games, so the Harvard and the Shanghai and that, just getting used to the system. The scoring of points is not... It's not just about winning legs of 501. It's how you score and... Hmm. If you're on 110, it's better to hit a ton and leave 10 if the other player goes out than to hit 74 and leave 36 because you won't get a point for that, but you'll get a point for the ton. It's, it it kind of makes you think a bit more than usual, having watched it but never taken part. But yeah, just looking forward to, to being part of it. Um, should have been in 2019, but couldn't get the time off work. And then last year, obviously, it didn't take place. So hopefully I'll make up for lost time. Well, best of luck for that. And uh, obviously the, the England events are this weekend, and I'm sure I'll see you during the weekend. But what else is on the, the schedule for NASA for the rest of 2021? Uh, the only thing I've booked so far is Denmark. As I say, that's um, two or three weeks away. It's the 1st to 3rd of October, I believe. Um, but yeah, the intention is to do as much as I can, as always. See, Northern Ireland just got cancelled, which is a shame. Um, but hopefully the one in Killarney will go ahead. Um, there's Hungary, there's Italy, um, there's Prague, there's... Surely there's some others I can remember off the top of my head. But um, yeah, I mean, there's plenty to be at Bridlington and Welsh Open, of course. Um so yeah, there'll be plenty on the calendar. It'll be a busy few months. Um, fingers crossed everything goes ahead and stays as it is. Unfortunately, no World Masters. But um, if I can make the World Championship, it's sort of a, it's a condensed season. So hit the form at the right time and hopefully I'll have a good chance. <clears throat> well, I mean, you mentioned it there. The World Masters obviously was cancelled while you were... You were over in Spain last week. What was your reaction to the announcement? Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, obviously, it's especially for the WDF running their first events. You know, it's it must be hard that these things keep coming up against them. You know, they're fighting against a, a brick wall all the time with the COVID and restrictions from different countries and everything. Um, yeah, it's a massive shame. Um, you know, it would have been their first event. But... You know, I can see the point that if not everyone can travel there freely um, and also the fact that there's restrictions in Netherlands at the moment, which who knows whether they'll change in time. Um, you know, you can't hold a big tournament where half the people can't get there because it's just not right to do so. And it, it sort of uh, it taints the event in a way. But... Yeah, it would have been great to see it on. 
hopefully it just gives them another year to build to get a, an even bigger and better rent on next year. And um, as I say, fingers crossed that they, the World Championship doesn't suffer with any restrictions in, in this country. Yeah, well, very much fingers crossed on that front. But uh, I saw on Facebook the other day, it was sort of two years since you'd qualified to play in the, the BDO World Trophy up in Blackburn. I know, if you're looking back, what are your, your memories of that occasion? Well, that was great. I mean, I went up there, played in the qualifier the day before, um, played really well. Then, uh, obviously, had a lovely draw playing Wayne Warren, who a month or two later went on to to win the world title. Um, but, yeah, loved it. Look, you, that's what we play darts for. You know, that's what I play darts for. I, I travel around trying to pick up the points. OK, that was a, it was qualifying rather than on the rankings that got me into that one. But, yeah, you play for those moments where you're on the TV doing, trying to do your best and, and playing against the best players in the world. And that kind of ticked all those boxes for me that weekend. Great to be a part of it. And memories that will not uh, not fade in the years, I'm sure. Well, unfortunately, I won't be able to play pairs with you this weekend in Celsius, although I'm sure that would have been a lot of fun for however long it lasted. <laughs> Um, but I look forward to seeing you during the weekend, mate, and thank you very much for your time, as always. No problem, you're welcome. Yeah, I look forward to meeting you down there, and, uh, yeah, if, uh, I'll wait. If, have you entered the singles? I'm planning the national singles on the Friday. Shockingly, I'm I'm not seeded, but I, I'm sure I'll oh. cause zero upsets along the way. I'll look out for the uh, Dark Horse Sinclair shirt around the, the hall, then, just so I can spot you. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, it'd be great. Uh, I look forward to it, mate, and uh, all the best with your darts as well. As you can probably tell, I uh, always enjoy talking to to John. It's a good laugh whenever we have a a catch up, and hopefully, I'll get to see him and many more players down in Selsey this weekend for the England Open. I've drawn Scottish international Ryan Hogarth in the men's national singles, uh, so we all know how that's going to end. But I am very much looking forward to ticking off one of my goals for 2021, which was playing in a WDF-ranked singles event, even if it only does last the four legs. It will be great to be out playing an event and and taking the podcast on the road. So hopefully, the start of next week, there'll be a a bumper episode, maybe even two, with a a series of interviews over the weekend. And just a word as well to uh, the, the team at Big Five Sports Management, who... Uh, uh, putting me up for the weekend which was very kind of them I was initially only going to be there on the Friday but a a change of plans means I'm now going to be there for the whole England Open weekend and uh, they're putting me up for the whole thing which is fantastic and hopefully you guys will kind of hear my exploits next week and beyond the England Open weekend itself involves the gold graded England Open the winners of which both men and ladies will qualify automatically for Lakeside next year, while there's also this silver-graded England National Singles, which is the, the one I'm playing in. Further afield, this weekend on the WDF Tour, there are other events. There's a bronze-graded youth event in New Hampshire, and there's also a bronze double header in Russia, which is the Kalashnikov Cup and Udmurtia Open. There should also have been another silver event this weekend in New Plymouth, New Zealand, but that's had to be shelved as a result of their ongoing national lockdown. 
Thank you very much to Bruce and John for their time on this week's show and thank you very much for listening. Your support, as always, is, is greatly appreciated. Next week, there'll be the uh, On The Road special from Celsi for you to enjoy. And in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at amsinclair97. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Inside the WDF. You can like the Facebook page at Inside the WDF. And then you can rate, review and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Until the next time, stay safe.